Welcome to a special episode on Sustainable Finance Outlook and Trends for 2021. I'm Cheryl, the host of Sustainalytics Sustainable Finance Solutions Podcast, a monthly roundup on the sustainable finance news, transactions, and regulatory updates. This year, we have decided to spice things up update and revamp our podcast program with special breakout episodes like the one you are tuning into right now, which takes a deeper look into set topics. Today's episode, which I've decided to call Nick's Crystal Ball, we have my partner in crime, co-host slash boss slash APAC regional director, Nick, who will be sharing about what he thinks will really take off in the sustainable finance market this year. And we will also dig a little bit deeper into a report that Sustainalytics has put out titled 10 for 2021. It's our seventh edition of our 10 for series, which focuses on 10 key environmental, social and governance themes for investors to think about in the new year. This year's paper is centered on the global food economy. But uh, welcome, Nick. Did you bring your crystal ball to the show today? Hi, Cheryl, and um, good uh, good afternoon and hello to everybody. Uh, I certainly did, Cheryl. I've been shining it up for a couple of weeks, so it's all ready to uh, it's all ready to go. And um, let's do a follow up podcast in twelve months and and give me a rating or us as a combined rating to see um, how much we got right or uh, or wrong. So yeah, absolutely, all raring to go. I haven't read a whole lot of other reports coming out about the expectations for 2021 and sort of trends and other things. So this is really me just thinking over the holidays and jotting it down uh, pretty fast. So some of them may match some things that we've seen from other market participants put forward. But anyway, let's dive in. So I think structurally social here to stay and the S of the ESG I think is here to stay. We're seeing that in in KPIs for SLLs, uh, even SLBs um, and use of proceeds instruments much more firmly uh, cemented. Upping the ante and ambition, um, I think, going to increase. So it's good to see debate, you know, challenging some transactions or constructively putting forward maybe some mixed uh, different points of views, but sustainability linked bonds, transition linked loans, all upping the ante to show more and more ambition. We all expect it as consumers, investors expecting it more and more, and corporates really, in some, more and more really rising to that uh, challenge. So let's see more ambition in terms of structures, KPIs, uh, use of proceeds going forward. Impact, again, more and more important. How do you quantify it? How do you report on it? That's an ongoing part of the sophistication in the market. It's not just about what you're financing. It's about how you're reporting on that too from an impact perspective, no matter what product uh, or format of sustainable finance you're doing. Maybe this will be the first year, Cheryl, 2021, where SLLs and SLBs eclipse um, green bonds. I'm not, I'm not sure. Just, just putting it out there as a, as a maybe. But again, it's not really a race to see which is instrument is more popular or not. But it's, it's good, as I mentioned before, diversity of format, diversity of issue and diversity of, of geography is really what's going to continue to support and underpin this market going forward. So let's see how much those products in aggregate catch up to green bonds this year. Um, I also think this year there's a a healthy debate ongoing about use of proceeds versus corporate uh, or general corporate purpose type structures with with KPIs that are more company-wide. There's pluses and minuses of of both of those, certainly lots of positives on the use of proceeds, very developed part of the market, and the general corporate purposes type structures with KPIs more company-wide evolving. I reckon this year we might actually see more structures combined. Traditionally, they've been quite separate. But I'm not sure why we couldn't see green bonds with some, uh, with some kickers around certain um, KPIs that were met as part of the projects that were funded. Question mark. Let's, uh, let's see. Transition, I think I mentioned before, 
I don't think we're no longer transitioning to the transition. I might have borrowed that from a CBI paper or, uh, or Sean Kidney. This is, you know, transition. Let's bring it on and see what we see this year. Sustainable supply chain. So I've mentioned a lot about diversity already. In terms of diversity of, or diversification of our product, um, I think sustainable supply chain has been exacerbated uh, by COVID and that's accelerated some of these trends combined with this whole issue of scope three. So emissions, GHGs within your value chain, I think that's really going to get pulled apart this year for more structures, sustainability linked, green, different things are there already, but I think this market's ready and poised to have more scale this, uh, this year. Another one, a little bit out there, we saw one transaction labelled as green equity last year. Um, again, debatable about the robustness of that. There's no real green equity principles. There's different legal issues for that. But maybe this year, there's more green, call it green assessments at an equity type level. Um, and let's see what happens there within the broader trend of whole of company type financing. Uh, what else have we got here? And then I think mining and resources, um, chemicals, you know, petrochem. I think they're going to be brought into the conversation more. And I really hope um, agri as well. So some really challenging industries, more getting written, more articles, more papers. So let's see that grow over the year. And the final one that I'm going to say is I've read a lot about biodiversity and the importance of nature. And there's even rather than just climate disclosures, there's a lot of a push to have nature based um, sort of disclosures or looking beyond carbon. Carbon is a focus of a lot of sustainalytics work and a lot of the way that practitioners look at and is a focus of mitigation activities. But I think really going beyond the impacts on diversity and then the impacts that then could flow to GDP, I think are going to be really important. So I think the biodiversity is going to take uh, a bigger part on the sustainable finance stage this year as we look master more and more on carbon, carbon trajectories and start to look at some of these broader items. So How's that, Cheryl? That's a pretty long answer to our first question for, uh, <laughs> for 2021. So let's um, remind ourselves to revisit the crystal ball at the end of uh, end of the year. Thanks, Nick. Um, so maybe let's now move on to the Sustainalytics 10 for 2021 paper about investing in the circular food economy. Um, on a high level, can you share with us what struck us uh, about the 10 for 2021 paper that really fits into some of the overall themes connected to sustainable finance? Yeah, absolutely, Cheryl. So I guess I was a little surprised or pleasantly surprised when I had a look at it because we know that agri is such an important um you know, really green issue now and a social issue. Um, and in reading the report, I was like, wow, this really connects very strongly to a lot of sustainable finance uh, themes that we're starting to see and that I think will accelerate over the year. So it's such a fantastic document as a context and backdrop to a lot of issues which are going to be emphasized going forward. So things like you know, food security and that value chain, we've started to see those in, in some bonds uh, coming out and that being a, a really key social issue, certainly across APAC and many other, many other markets. I think to a theme that's really built up and we've spoken about this on the podcast the last few months is the sort of going beyond carbon and looking at biodiversity and looking at some of these food chains. Uh, and, and some of those things are really under pressure. And the contribution that some of these things make to GDP, to health, it's very, very significant. And, and maybe we're focused on too much decarbonisation. That's critical. But highlighting something around food, agri, connected to biodiversity, I think is really going to be a key theme going beyond you know, carbon and nature-based disclosures and all these sorts of things going forward. 
circularity and circular concepts, value chains, again, connected to um, sustainable sourcing and strategic inputs in the green uh, the green sort of space and, and use of proceeds. I think that's a, uh, that's a really important theme. And also, you know, sometimes I scratch my head. Asia, as an example, has so many agri-based economies or very significant agri-producers. And, you know, agri overall is probably less than two or three percent of green bonds, green loans from a use of proceeds perspective. We've seen some sustainability linked loans and hopefully bonds. Um, so it really highlights that. You know, agri, I think, is just underrepresented. Another topic which, which links to a considerable amount of work that we're doing at Sustainalytics, um, Cheryl, is the sustainable supply chain side of things. So again, key issues in agri is supply chain and COVID's really stressed um, some of these supply chains and sustainability concepts are being integrated into those. And the report's a really good reminder about some of the pressures and some of the issues from a sustainability perspective on these value chains that are incredibly important because guess what? We all eat. <laughs> so sometimes it's as simple, uh, uh, simple as that. So I think they're the key, uh, the key things that really jumped out to me, Cheryl. Mm, great. And just linking this to our taxonomy, which, you know, for those uh, listeners who are not aware what a taxonomy is, it's our internal guide. It's a register that we maintain our views of, about on activities that are eligible for green or social. So what Nick has just mentioned ties very nicely into our social use of proceeds category on food security. So uh, we recently updated our taxonomy to include that. If you, if you want to look at an opinion that we did, the Kingdom of Thailand, uh, second party opinion, which we worked on, talks about you know, food security and in particular providing uh, smallholder farmers some loan and support uh, to increase the productivity and market access to these producers. It also talks about uh, including infrastructure investments and facilities such as warehouses to adequately store and improve this food uh, conservation and connectivity to the food chain to minimize food losses. Also worthy to mention is uh, the CBI, the Climate Bond Initiative, also recently released the agriculture criteria. So do check that out for their background paper. Um, and it talks about why agriculture and forestry is so important uh, in order for us to achieve the global decarbonization targets. Um, because these two sectors account for approximately a quarter of anthropogenic emissions in total. So, you know, estimates suggest that it, we need a, about USD 7 billion to 7.6 billion each year uh, for adaptation measures in the agri agriculture, food and forestry sectors. So we still need a lot more money and financing to direct uh, to these sectors to address these climate impacts. Moving on to the second question um, for you, Nick, and is there any companies that were highlighted in the report that has done any notable sustainable finance uh, transactions? Yeah, there was. And that was something that also jumped out to me, Cheryl, as I, as I read through it. I was like, wow, we're, Sustainalytics has worked with a number of these companies and a lot of them have been very active in the um, sustainable finance space. So wanting to show leadership, having leadership positions, demonstrating to the market their commitment and, and their progress and performance on sustainability. Um, so that was um, that was really cool when I, when I read through that. So a couple of things to mention, you know, Tesco, mentioned in the report, we recently, about two weeks ago, released our work that we've done with Tesco for a sustainability uh, linked bond, looking at science-based targets for scope one and two emissions, and also commenting um, a bit on the scope three, which is obviously very key for agri. Starbucks was mentioned in the report. They did a sustainability bond, and we were fortunate enough to work with them on that opinion probably back a couple of uh, years ago in terms of 
some of the things they're doing with their suppliers that connected to, to, to what you were mentioning before, Cheryl, and also sustainable coffee and some of those themes. Olam was mentioned as, uh, as well, um, and we've worked with, um, obviously, Olam around uh, an ESG risk rating connected to a sustainability-linked uh, loan. Danone actually is one of the first, or if not the first, actually, um, sustainability-linked loan done uh, in the market a couple of uh, a couple of years back. So really one of the prime first uh, first movers was also mentioned. So good to see these companies getting picked up, getting mentioned, and also really demonstrating how they're tackling and some of these issues and, and, and showing leadership and connecting that to these different forms uh, that we've seen in the uh, market. You know, the, the agri-space, we've worked with companies like Kofco doing a sustainability link loan. Over the last 12 months, you've seen, you know, Bunge, uh, Louis Dreyfus, um, do KPI-based loans. So it's a pretty hot sector and great to see that the strategies, the leadership in, in this sector is getting connected to uh, to transactions. Also, the report talks a little bit about pesticides and, and chemicals. And an example of that was, was Bayer, you know, probably less than uh, six months ago went to market and doing lots of different green uh, activities, which is which is connected to this space. And then last but not least, Another one was around seafood. We saw Grieg and Maui go to market uh, last year, and seafood is a is something that's picked up in the report. You know, aquaculture, um, and good to see more seafood companies coming different issues um, coming to uh, market. Thanks, Nick. And what about some challenges? You know, what what's what's tricky about agri? Can you you know help us walk us through some of that? We need to think about the challenges. Yeah, there's lots of. Um, uh, there's lots of different types of challenges. I guess there's maybe some less clear-cut thresholds for certain things. We can talk in general about agriculture and agroforestry techniques, you know, no-till till, um, uh, methods for agriculture. Are you disturbing soils? And these sorts of things. Some of it can be quite, you know, technical and, and difficult to uh, to measure. You know, then there's issues around land conservation and, and restoration, you know, forestry, we know there's some good practices and not so good practices. So I think um, it's it's just hard to, well, I shouldn't say hard. It, it's a bit of a challenge to um, slice and dice. Sometimes use of proceeds connected to these specific um, areas if data is not available. And there's different practices in different markets too, which depend on geography, you know, climates and a whole, a whole range of things. So Agri is a challenging sector and contributes a lot to overall GHGs, uh, but there's some companies doing some very interesting work and we really hope we'll see a lot more activity around green bonds and, and other sustainable finance products connected to Agri going forward. Certainly. And final question for you, Nick. Um, another theme that was highlighted in the report was about circularity. Is that a growing theme you see in sustainable finance as well? Yeah, absolutely. And it's something that I hope to see really um, even accelerate further this year. So the concept of recycling, reusing um, circular economies is, is easy to describe, but harder to put into practice. So I've seen companies like Coke and uh, and Pepsi um, seeking to, on their um, sustainable sourcing, more uh, recycled um, PET in their, um, in their businesses and have pretty big commitments um, on using recycled products. Sort of waste to waste to energy, although that's maybe not directly uh, recycling, you know, using um, some of these waste uh, products. And again, that circular theme, because, you know, if you look at overall, you know, the world, the, the amount of products, the amount of production that's reused or circular in nature is is way too small. There's, there's too much, um, there's too much waste. So yeah, those are, are probably a couple of things about, about circularity. So check out the, um, the report. There's some interesting thoughts 
um, around circularity and that. But I think the whole recycling, reusing theme uh, is going to come up and, and be a lot more prevalent going forward for sustainable finance. That's for sure. Thanks, Nick. So maybe let's just wrap this up. Can you summarize what are some of the key takeaways for our listeners, Nick? Yeah, absolutely. So I'd say just a couple of points. Agri is about 25% of global GHGs, and I don't think it gets the attention that, that it deserves in terms of really empowering the sector to, to improve. There's some great companies, which we highlight in the report, that have done sustainable finance transactions, but I think the whole sector is underrepresented in this space. So I'd just love to see um, more activity connected to you know great strategies and great actions being taken by a lot of companies in this uh, space. And look, at the end of the day, as I mentioned at the start, we all eat. This is not an issue that's that's somehow obscure and only related to some people. You know, agri is is crucial for for GDP and it's crucial for for humans, which last time I checked, pretty important. Um, there's also that social dimension of uh, of agri as well. So I think we need to remember that. And COVID's really highlighted the S of ESG. We've said that a lot on the podcast, but that you know this is just another dimension of green connecting to social. Um, and that food security part, because hungry people are generally not very happy people. At least that's the experience in my uh, in my household. Um, and then the last point is really just you know going beyond carbon biodiversity. Some of these themes are really you know nature based um, uh, solutions. So the disclosures and what investors are demanding on companies, not just around carbon, but a much more holistic view on some of the environmental f- footprints, we're going to really see uh, grow this year. So. Yeah, that's a bit of a long conclusion for you, Cheryl, but those are the, the things that um, um, I think are the, the key, key points as far as, um, as far as a report goes for us. Thank you, Nick. All right, folks, that's about the time we have for this episode. Links to the reports and second-party opinions mentioned here can be found on our website. Do also follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter at Sustainalytics and send any questions or feedback our way at podcast at sustainalytics.com. Thanks again for tuning in. Till next time.